how do we innovate to improve the healthcare collaboration, the care coordination, how data can be unlocked and made to good use in a responsible way, but also helping efficiency. And then we came to what is called in your profession, the quadruple aim of healthcare, right? Better health outcomes, um, better patient and staff experience and lower cost of care. You're listening to A Healthier Future, where we explore big ideas for transforming and improving the future of health, showcasing the most innovative solutions and best practices today. Today, I'm so excited to speak with Franz von Houten, CEO of Philips. For decades, Philips was known as a world-class consumer electronics manufacturer. In recent years, the company has shifted its focus to medical technology. That pivot has paid huge dividends with Philips creating some of the most innovative solutions in healthcare today. On today's episode, we talk about digital transformation, the role of data in medicine, precision diagnosis, and the power of innovation. I'm Mark Harrison, and together we're building a healthier future. I'm so excited to be here today with my friend Franz von Houten, CEO of Royal Philips Electronics. Welcome, my friend. How are things going for you today? Hi, Mark. Great to see you. Um, busy as always, trying to make an impact in the world. That's exciting, uh, but it keeps us busy. Franz, I've always been impressed by your desire to make an impact and to be a transformative leader in an industry that, that desperately needs it. And you've done an incredible job. I'm curious, as a young kid, what's your first memory of Philips? So growing up in the Netherlands, I imagine that you were aware of Philips from the beginning. What do you remember about the company first? I was born in the town where Philips was based, so I, there were always stories about Philips. Um, of course, my first memory was a black and white television somewhere in the living room, but also the stories about innovation. My father was a, a scientist, my mother was a medical doctor, and there was always dialogue around how can innovation be meaningful. But I also got the stories around what didn't go well, because there was also some frustration. For example, uh, when my, my dad came home with innovations that were commercial flops. So I, I guess I got a, an early education in what makes innovation successful and, and why, and also execution issues. And it was very meaningful for me. It has stayed with me all my life. That's really interesting. And did your dad work for Philips, Franz? Yes, he did. Yeah. So you're a multi-generational Philips family. That's incredible. So yes, I love right. the idea that you were exposed to failures, flops early on, because I think a lot of people, they forget that for every success that we have in front of us, every product we use, there are lots of iterations that come ahead of it. And has that shaped your approach to leading, That the idea that not everything has to be a success every time? Oh, absolutely. Success becomes out of tenacious conviction to improve. You only need to look at Apple and how that took years before it became a success. People now don't remember that. The first years of Apple were not a success. And likewise, Philips has had many great innovations that were not adopted by consumers or by professionals. And therefore, yes, that has shaped me. And I know that you're an advocate of continuous improvement, so am I, because you need to stay at it and, and improve it until it really works. 
and until we can serve people the way they deserve to be served. I'm very comfortable with the idea that nothing I do is ever quite good enough. Uh, that's the only way you get better. I always say if a professional football player is able to take shots on goal and practice before every game, certainly I can be coached and make lots of mistakes. And I love the way you lean into a different future. So Franz, when did you start to think about transforming Philips. It would have been easy just to ride this great company with great reputation, worldwide access, service across many countries. When did you think about changing its direction? Mark, I had the privilege of working for Philips and then I changed company. I worked for uh, private equity for some years. And then in 2011, I was asked to become the CEO of Philips. So I rejoined the company. And as you do when you become CEO, you, you take an, an assessment of company's strengths and weaknesses. The glory and the iconic value of the company was no longer so glorious. And in my assessment, the company was losing after 120 years its relevance in the world. And perhaps Asian competition was faster and cheaper. I think we all, all know the story on how some of that gets lost, whether in the United States or in Europe, it's, it's the same. And given my history with Philips, I said, I want to make this company relevant again, purposeful, so that we can be proud of it, that I can be proud of what I will do. And I put a very high bar of wanting to make an impact in the world with Philips. I thought it was possible, but it also required a series of very tough decisions on at least two or three levels. First, on the portfolio, we decided to get out of Philips' original business, lighting, consumer electronics. We shed billions and billions of revenue in order to focus on just one thing, with the conviction that if you go deep and you commit yourself to one space and you really want to do it, you, you have a chance to do that. And that was healthcare. We said that to innovate in healthcare, there's so much unmet need where the clinical practice, the operational aspects of healthcare can be married with technology, both systems and informatics. We can leverage data and improve the way healthcare is being practiced. So in, in a wicked way, my upbringing came together, innovation and, and my mother's healthcare profession. But we, you really had to focus on something that is hard because otherwise Asian companies can always overtake you. And we said to win in the future, we need to focus on these unmet needs. And the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, in a way, guide you to that. There's multiple defined health uh, you know, healthcare and well-being for everybody in the world is a huge unmet need that I think you share the passion for. So, Franz, we all know that everybody loves change, right? <laughs> so what was the toughest Obviously. stakeholder group for you to bring along? Because you have so many stakeholders. You're an iconic company in your country. You've got politicians. Yeah. You've got your, I think it's about 60,000 associates who work for you. Giant company. Who's the toughest group to bring along? Yeah, it needs a, a multi-stakeholder environment. And there were a lot of cynical people there, ranging from investors who had given up on the company to the Dutch population who thinks that lighting is, is what you always should do. But in the end, uh, formulating a new purpose to make Philips a health technology company created a new North Star that unleashed a lot of energy. And you mentioned just now change management. That is the hardest thing, and it is often overlooked. A strategy is only 15% of the work. Right? Then the hard thing comes and follows, getting your leadership to follow you as a leader. Right? should not be taken for granted. Having 100,000 people follow you in the company should not be taken for granted. And there have been people telling me it will take you one year per management layer. And I do remember that I said, well, I will do that a lot faster. But there is certainly some truth in, in that, that it takes you 
multiple years and a lot of tenacity. Talk about the tenacity piece, Franz. There are a lot of leaders out there with great ideas, but talk about your ability to get up every day and take on a challenge, maybe get beaten up a little bit, and then do it again the next day. Where does that come from inside of you? That is a great question. Look, my upbringing, I was raised with the values that you need to make the most of your talent and that you're expected to be courageous and not shy away from a problem. And I take a lot of energy out of that, and it fulfills me. I guess that is the muscle of pyramid, but fulfills me to actually have the privilege to do something that is good for the world. So if you think of a company as a giant toolbox, well, what opportunity is that? And what privilege is it to to be given that opportunity to shape it? And I love that. It gives me energy. Obviously, I also take energy out of people interaction. So every day that I come to, to the office or to go to the Gamba and you go and see people, I love talking about where we are going. I love talking to healthcare professionals to say, what is your unmet need? I love talking to our engineers to say, how can we make this better? I also love giving direction from a supportive point of view, because I believe in leaders that are servant, take people along. We are a company with very smart professionals to get the most out of them. I shouldn't just be telling them what to do. I should unlock and unleash their power. And so I love doing that. I think a lot of people have this idea about global leaders like you, people who run big, powerful companies that they are egomaniacs and they're in it just for the money and there's maybe even something almost nefarious about what they do. I take great privilege in knowing people like you, Franz, who you're humble. You're strong, you've got vision, but you're humble and you recognize that you need to learn and listen and it's in the end all about service, which I think is what it's gonna take for us to end up with a healthier future. Could you paint a picture for me for a second about as your vision for Philips comes to fruition, and I know you will never, ever be there, there's no end. What does it start to look like for people who are going to use the services that you provide? Thank you. Uh, That's a great question. As we reset Philips on a new path, we also had the opportunity to create a conceptual vision of the future of healthcare. And it won't surprise you that we put the patient at the center and the patient journey, which is basically the continuum of health. You know, how do you keep people healthy? How do you prevent disease? And if people get sick, then how do you diagnose them quickly and first time, right? Treat them quickly and first time. And then they go back home and they need to get back to healthy living and or live with a chronic disease. And so If you think of that as a continuum, and now I am the industrial company, I I apply value stream thinking, I think about all the discontinuities that such a patient will encounter. Healthcare professionals that find it difficult to work together, information that gets lost, waiting time, waste. I think about applying lean and Six Sigma to healthcare, then obviously in that health continuum, a lot can be improved. So we took that as a vision. And then we said, now, how do we innovate to improve the healthcare collaboration, the care coordination, how data can be unlocked and made to good use in a responsible way, but also helping efficiency. And then we came to what is called in your profession, the quadruple aim of healthcare, right? Better health outcomes, um, better patient and staff experience, and lower cost of care. And then we said to all our engineers, well, if you come up with a a great innovation, it needs to qualify on the quadruple aim of healthcare. And that's the filter on which we will judge innovation. And it's so completely different from the historical way that we designed products where we, we thought more features is better. 
Uh, right. And nowadays we say more features maybe is not better. But anyway, so this health continuum is our guiding theme. We try to really understand deeply the clinical aspects of healthcare. And we want to partner with our with the providers so that we understand what it takes to be successful. It really is a team sport, isn't it? And we're not much good on our own. We need partners and customers and in some instances, competitors to hone our skills and our our products. Franz, I love your emphasis on equity and sustainability. And so in the midst of running this giant company, you think every day, I know you do, about making the world a better place above and beyond the products that you create. Can you talk about your personal commitment to those areas? And I'm curious, with your mom being a doctor, whether maybe there were some lessons learned at her elbow about the dignity of people? Well, there were certainly in our household when I was young, these beliefs around Schumacher and small is beautiful and how do you sustain the environment early on. And I think nowadays, 40 years later, we are seeing the consequences of how sometimes in an irresponsible way society has been dealing Uh, with the environment. Now we see climate change, we see biodiversity loss, and and that pains me. And as a leader, I feel I'm in a position to do something about that. And uh, in fact, I feel a responsibility. But I also have come to learn that if you embrace sustainability thinking in your business model, it's actually perfectly possible to marry a responsible behavior with running a company for profit. And I can give you a few examples that I feel are deeply motivating. Already today, Philips is carbon neutral in our operations. We only use green electricity and we take back products from our customers and then we give them a second life. We use recycled plastic, zero waste goes to landfill. And we find that actually it motivates our associates, our teammates, because the next generation, millennials and Gen Z, they want to work for companies that embrace this kind of thinking. So you can think of sustainability as an obligation or a virtue that we need to embrace. And Philips has been an early adopter, and we find that it's uh, perfectly possible to integrate it in our thinking. Our customer relationships actually become deeper. Because, Mark, you must also struggle with your own sustainability obligations as uh, Intermountain. We do. Healthcare is a dirty industry, and we're spending a lot of time and energy on the same path. We just have committed now to, I think it'll be 20% of our our electricity in the next year will be solar. We are working with electric drones to deliver healthcare supplies and drugs to both hospitals and to homes so we don't clog up the roads and we don't burn fossil fuels. So we're trying, and it is a journey, and it's certainly not easy, but I think it's the path that's actually the fun. And we invented an MRI scanner that doesn't use helium. Yeah. Now, that's great because that doesn't pollute the, the world. So, Franz, before we, we wrap up, you live your role. You are completely committed to the mission, vision, and values of Philips. You lead through good times and through bad. What does it feel like? Because I think a lot of people who are listening – wonder what it's like to be the CEO of a massive organization. And does it feel good? Is it a pleasure? Is it a burden? And how do you balance this all out? Because you have a family and you have hobbies and you love to do things besides work as well. I think people are really interested in how do you stay a whole person as you lead an organization like Philips? You can only do a job like this as a CEO of a big company if you love what you do. It's difficult to sustain energy if if you don't enjoy the role. My wife and I, we talk about work-life integration. 
as opposed to work-life balance, because of course it's a 24-7 job, you're always on. Uh, so it is really about how do you integrate it. Earlier on in our conversation, I, I shared with you that I actually get energy out of the people interaction. Right? So every day for me can have a positive energy balance. Of course, there are bad days, right? I would be lying if, we all if have I would not say that. Yeah. But generally, I love the interaction, with whether it's with healthcare customers or engineers, then to do problem solving and to see how can you make things better, that uh, I enjoy that. And I think that spirit brings me to my role. Then trying to get the best out of our associates, I don't need to tell them everything. Right? I just need to be there for them and help them on the path. And sometimes take tough decisions as well. I, yeah, I realize that. So I find it uh, very rewarding, Mark. And, and yes, there are difficult moments. And then I talk to you and then I get spirit, inspiration from how you lead your organization, right? Because I think uh, CEOs can also talk to each other and share both the good, the bad, and the ugly and take some encouragement out of that too. Absolutely. And I really like your emphasis on gaining energy from the people around you. And I think one of the things we've both learned is that you can't learn when you're speaking. You can only learn when you're listening. And you know, taking that pause to listen to our partners and our customers and our competitors sometimes, I think that's it's rich. So um, Franz, I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to have this conversation. I think people are really going to enjoy getting to know you a bit better as a person and hearing about your courageous journey to take Philips, a great company, to a new place that's even greater in service to our communities and the people who trust us. So thank you. Thank you, Mark. And now let's uh, further innovate healthcare together. Let's do that. Thanks, Franz.